Chapter Two of the Treasure by Selma Lagerlöf. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Treasure by Selma Lagerlöf. Translated from the Swedish by Arthur G. Chater. Chapter Two On the Case. The poor maid who had escaped the butchery, had been taken by Torarin to Marstrand. He had conceived so great pity for her, that he had offered her lodging in his cramped cabin, and a share of the food which he and his mother ate. "'This is the only thing I can do for her Arne,' thought Torarin, in return for all the times he has bought my fish, and allowed me to sit at his table. "'Poor and lowly as I am,' thought Torarin, it is better for the maid that she go with me to the town, than that she stay here among the country folk. In Marstrand are many rich burgesses, and perhaps the young maid may take service with one of them, and so be well cared for. When first the girl came to the town, she sat and wept from morning to night. She bewailed her Arne and his household, and lamented that she had lost all who were dear to her. Most of all she wept for her foster-sister, and said she wished she had not hidden herself against the wall, so that she might have shared death with her. Torarin's mother said nothing to this so long as her son was at home, but when he had gone on his travels again, she said one morning to the girl, "'I am not rich enough, Elsalil, to give you food and clothing, that you may sit with your hands in your lap and nurse your sorrow. Come with me down to the case and learn to clean fish. So Elsalil went with her down to the case and stood all day working among the other fish cleaners. But most of the women on the case were young and merry. They began to talk to Elsalil and asked her why she was so silent and sorrowful. Then Elsalil began to tell them of the terrible thing that had befallen her no more than three nights ago. She spoke of the three robbers who had broken into the house by the smoke-hole in the roof, and murdered all who were near and dear to her. As Elsalil told her tale, a black shadow fell across the table at which she worked, and when she looked up three fine gentlemen stood before her, wearing broad hats with long feathers and velvet clothes with great puffs, embroidered in silk and gold. One of them seemed to be of higher rank than the others. He was very pale, his chin was shaven, and his eye sat deep in his head. He looked as though he had lately been ill, but in all else he seemed a gay and bold-faced cavalier, who walked on the sunny case to show his fine clothes and his handsome face. Elsalil broke off both work and story. She stood looking at him with open mouth and staring eyes, and he smiled at her. "'We are not come hither to frighten you, mistress,' said he, "'but to beg that we too may listen to your tale.' Poor Elsalil! Never in her life had she seen such a man. She felt she could not speak in his presence. She merely held her peace and cast her eyes upon her work. The stranger began again. "'Be not afraid of us, mistress. 
we are scotsmen who have been in the service of king john of sweden ten full years but now have taken our discharge and are bound for home we have come to marstrand to find a ship for scotland but when we came hither we found every channel and firth frozen over and here we must bide and wait we have no business to employ us and therefore we range about the case to meet whom we may we should be happy mistress if you would let us hear your tale elsalil knew that he had talked thus long to let her recover from her emotion at last she thought to herself you can surely show that you are not too homely to speak to a noble gentleman elsalil for you are a maiden of good birth and no fisher lass i was but telling of the great butchery at solberga parsonage said elsalil there are so many who have heard that story yes said the stranger but i did not know till now that any of her arne's household had escaped alive then elsalil told once more of the wild robber's deed she spoke of how the old serving men had gathered about her arne to protect him and how her arne himself had snatched his sword from the wall and pressed upon the robbers but they had overcome them all and the old mistress had taken up her husband's sword and set upon the robbers but they had only laughed at her and felled her to the floor with a billet of wood and all the other women had crouched against the wall of the stove but when the men were dead the robbers came and pulled them down and slew them the last they slew said elsalil was my dear foster-sister she begged for life so piteously and two of them would have let her live but the third said that all must die and he thrust his knife into her heart while elsalil was speaking of murder and blood the three men stood still before her they did not exchange a glance with each other but their ears grew long with listening and their eyes sparkled and sometimes their lips parted so that the teeth glistened elsalil's eyes were full of tears not once did she look up whilst she was speaking she did not see that the man before her had the eyes and teeth of a wolf only when she had finished speaking did she dry her eyes and look up at him but when he met elsalil's glance his face changed in an instant since you have seen the murderers so well mistress said he you would doubtless know them again if you met them i have no more than seen them by the light of the brands they snatched from the hearth to light their murdering said elsalil but with god's help i'll surely know them again and i pray to god daily that i may meet them what mean you by that mistress asked the stranger is it not true that the murderers vagabonds are dead indeed i have heard so said elsalil the peasants who set out after them followed their tracks from the parsonage down to a hole in the ice thus far they saw tracks of sledge-runners upon the smooth ice tracks of a horse's hoofs tracks of men with heavy nailed boots but beyond the hole no tracks led on across the ice and therefore the peasants supposed them all dead 
"'And do you not believe them dead, Elsalil?' asked the stranger. "'Oh, yes!' "'I think they must be drowned,' said Elsalil. "'And yet I pray to God daily that they may have escaped. I speak to God in this wise. Let it be so that they have only driven the horse and sledge into the hole, but have themselves escaped.' "'Why do you wish this, Elsalil?' asked the stranger. The tender maid Elsalil, she flung back her head, and her eyes shone like fire. "'I would they were alive, that I might find them out and seize them. I would they were alive, that I might tear their hearts out. I would they were alive, that I might see their bodies quartered and spiked upon the wheel.' "'How do you think to bring all this about?' said the stranger. "'For you are only a weak little maid.' "'If they were living,' said Elsalil, "'I should surely bring their punishment upon them. Rather would I go to my death than let them go free. Strong and mighty they may be, I know it, but they would not be able to escape me.' At this the stranger smiled upon her, but Elsalil stamped her foot. "'If they were living, should I not remember that they have taken my home from me?' so that I am now a poor lass, compelled to stand here on the cold quay and clean fish? Should I not remember that they have slain all those near to me? And should I not remember most of all the man who plucked my foster-sister from the wall and slew her, who was so dear to me? But when the tender little maid gave proof of such great wrath, the three Scottish campaniers burst out laughing. So full of merriment were they, that they went off, lest Elsalil might take offence. They walked across the harbour, and up a narrow alley, which led to the market-place. But long after they were out of sight, Elsalil heard their roars of loud and scornful laughter. End of chapter 2 of The Treasure by Selma Lagerlöf. Read by Lars Rolander.